Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Kayla. And that is Sarah. Today we're talking about one of the worst diagnoses of all, in my opinion. The non-diagnosis. Unexplained infertility. Sarah, did you catch how I said diagnoses? Yes, you (laughs) said it right, I think. (laughs) I think I said it right. Maybe. Yeah. Today we're talking about unexplained infertility, which um, Sarah and I were just discussing this before we started recording that it's like, it's a hard one to talk about even just, there's not even a way to talk about it in like uh, a very clinical sense because of the nature of what it is. It's unexplained, which makes it really suck. So in other words, we can't talk about how to diagnose it, how to treat it. Yeah. Not a lot of black and white with this one. It's that emoji of the girl shrugging. <laughs> I, don't I, know. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's wrong? Yeah. Everything Ugh. checks out fine. Yeah. But don't you think that's the worst? Because I feel like you go through sometimes years of trying to conceive on your own and then you finally work up the courage to go see a doctor and you think, okay, I'm going to get an answer. And then you go through lots of sometimes painful and invasive testing. And then you spend a lot of money for that testing only for their, for your doctor to then be like, well, everything looks great. I don't know why Let's you can't get IVF. pregnant <laughs> <laughs> or just keep trying. And yeah. that's like your only options. I mean, I feel like that would be so devastating. Yeah. I think sometimes with um, unexplained infertility, I feel like sometimes it, it could be the fallopian tube phalanges that grab the egg. It could be so many things. Yeah. Like those could be damaged, but you wouldn't know. Yeah, there's not a so test small. for that. Yeah. There's there's so many things that there's just still not a test for. But we're not going to we're not going to get into all of it right this second, but we do have a couple items of business. So the first one is about our giveaway, which we talked about in the last episode, but Sarah, if you want to remind everyone real quick what's going on okay. with our IVF goodie bag. Yeah, it's an IVF goodie bag and it's a cooler, like a little cooler, like a little lunchbox type, but it's not a lunchbox. It's like a bag insulated bag (laughs) yes and it says infertile mafia on the outside and inside it will be things we think are useful for going through ivf yeah yeah and to get in on this giveaway there are a couple ways one of them is to rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts And after you do that, send us an email and let us know what your actual contact information is. And send that to infertilemafia at gmail.com. Yes. And another way to enter is to show us how you listen to the podcast. Like, what do you do while listening to the podcast? And show us on Instagram. Make an Instagram post. Tag us. Make sure that your profile is public. Yeah, and ta- we're at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Yes. That's what we are on Instagram. Okay, so. All right. Up next, unexplained <laughs> infertility. <laughs> what is it? It's unexplained infertility. <laughs> <laughs> it's This diagnosis comes after both partners have had a complete diagnostic testing done with qualified specialists and no obvious reason for infertility is present. Uh, about one in five patients who seek reproductive treatment will receive this diagnosis. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's then, pretty much the doctor just saying, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. Did you see what I wrote right there? Possible causes. <laughs> oh, no, wait. <laughs> I'll let you say that. Oh, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I, I wrote something naughty, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, possible we don't we don't know cuz it's unexplained. <laughs> I wrote this is a total effing crap shooting <laughs> which is true. There. It is true. It sucks. It's like 
and we could go on and list all these things. It might be this. It might be that. But we're not going to do that because it's just all speculation and every patient is, is different. Sometimes I feel like your body just doesn't realize how to get pregnant on its own. <laughs> it could be so many things. Because I see a lot of people who have unexplained infertility have a spontaneous pregnancy after doing IVF. Yeah. Because it was like they're, they needed to get pregnant to get pregnant. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't really work out very well. <laughs> yeah. No, you're. it's just... That's what I feel like would be so maddening because you don't know if you're just having bad luck every time. If you're just having like the Ah. worst luck in the world or the alternative is that it's something that you can't, you're not getting to the bottom of. And so you don't know how to fix it. And neither one of those is a good place to be in your head. Yeah. You know, and our other item of business is, uh, it'll just be kind of a segue into unexplained infertility because it's an email I got from someone that I'm going to read that... Uh, I wouldn't, well, yeah, I'll just go ahead and read it. It's from Courtney and she says, hello all. I've been following you both on YouTube for some time now. I think YouTube helped me stay sane through my beginning stages of infertility. Me too, Courtney. A little backstory on me. I'm also struggling with infertility after TTC for one year on our own with no luck. Husband and I started seeing our current RE. We were diagnosed with severe male factor infertility in September 2017. I thought IVF would be a quick and easy fix for us finally to finally have a child, and boy, have I been mistaken. Our first FET resulted in a BFN, that's big fat negative, changed up our protocol, and our second FET resulted in a seven-week miscarriage of blighted ovum. My current RE, quote, doesn't believe in testing for immunological factors like natural killer cells. Though I am fairly certain this is our issue. I have a pre-existing autoimmune disease. I have a phone consult with Dr. Braverman next week. And Dr. Braverman is a reproductive immunologist in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, But I know that Hardships of Hope, that's me, also faced immune factors in her journey. I would love if y'all discussed this a bit more on your podcast. Uh, What your protocol was like? Did you have trouble finding an RI? Was it difficult getting your RI and RE to work together? How long were you on the protocol? And were you worried to stop any of the meds while pregnant? Our next FET in July, we're transferring our last two frozen embryos. The first time using two, both five. Ooh, I don't want to say that. I don't want to five. announce. I don't want to announce the genders. Oh, I mean, she told us. So I, I know, feel- but I, I, I'm going to keep it a secret. <laughs> okay. But um, I mean, the quality wise, it's five BB. Yes. And they are, they've been PGS tested and they're normal. Thank y'all for sharing your journey and giving us all hope of better days still to come. Looking forward to listening to your podcast more. Your infertile sister, Courtney. Thank you for writing, Courtney. Um, And I did get back to her and answered some of her more specific questions about my immune therapy treatment. So I won't get into all of that. But I wanted to read her email here just because um, she's basically facing a quote unexplained infertility diagnosis for herself because her doctor Mm. is like there's nothing wrong with you and I don't believe in testing for immune therapy and a lot of people fall into that category Um, so I wonder if the doctor is saying that the embryo issues are caused by her husband's severe male factor it could be because that certainly is one thing that a lot of people that's why I like later I listed a few things that some people that have been diagnosed with unexplained infertility then go on to find out what it was after more additional testing. And that happens to be one of them, which was like um, we talked about sperm DNA fragmentation in a recent episode Um And that is not seen in a regular semen analysis. You cannot test for that. They have to actually go in and and test the DNA in the nucleus of the sperm. 
I feel like you'd need a major microscope for that. Yeah, well, it's like you have to actually take out the DNA from the little head of the sperm and test it. Crazy. Um, I know. Plus, there are so many. We, well, yeah, they're not going to do that for all of them. <laughs> They'd be there for about 20 million lifetimes. <laughs> but but that, like, you can go through treatment and have what looks to be totally normal sperm only to find out that you've got 70% fragmented sperm that are never going to fertilize an egg. Or if they do, it'll end in a... Okay. Yeah. Miscarriage. Right. So anyway, but not to get off on that tangent, but um, I thought I would share with her her situation because I've seen a lot of women um, in our Facebook group, especially that have been considering immune therapy and um, as a way to to help with a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Um, so I thought I would, and I, I made sure that she knew about our most, one of our recent episodes, uh, Oh No, I'm Still Weird, I think, uh, that we talk about, we talk a little bit about immune therapy in that episode. So I, I pointed her to that. And I think in the future we'll do, I want to do a deep dive in immune therapy specifically. So um, the last thing she, she did follow up with an email that I just wanted to share real quick. Um, she did say that she had miscarriage labs run, which she put that in quotes, and I don't know exactly what that means. Um, she said, I had miscarriage labs run after my last transfer. I know that something came back abnormal. I have an appointment Tuesday to discuss, but so it was something today, right? that's today. Yeah. It was something to do with a clotting disorder. My RE believes there hasn't been enough research done, or I guess proven, to point to immune issues causing a pregnancy failure. Wrong. I couldn't disagree more and was so surprised that she had this opinion. I plan to press the issue again when I see her Tuesday to discuss my abnormal miscarriage lab work. And then... She says, it seems to be there are so many RIs in the country. I'm hoping Dr. Braverman can provide me some answers and that my RE will be willing to work with him. He's very costly, though, so hoping this is the right move. We've been 100% out of pocket, so we've been trying to cut costs where we can. And she's in Houston. Dr. Braverman's in New York. So he will do, similar to my RI, he'll do, like, he will consult with patients and do treatment um, long distance, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, it is trickier to do it that way. So I hope she has some good luck with Dr. Braverman and I can't wait to hear how it goes. But yeah, I mean, our eyes are pretty rare. They are hard to find and they're hard to, once you find one, to get an appointment to see one. Is it such a specialized field? Um, and that really sucks that her RE shot her down about immune therapy. I just don't feel they like, do that a lot though. Um, I've heard well, a lot of people say that their RE was like, that is not proven. Right. That Or like that girl I told you about recently that's like, that's snake oil. Yeah, I was going to say snake oil. Yeah. Don't. And I'm just thinking, well, She's right. There have not been a ton of like large scale studies. I'll give every doctor that doesn't believe in it that. I think it's just like they're skeptical because there hasn't been enough research about it. And so they don't they don't want to endorse anything with their patient that they're not sure about. That's right. fair. But there are nicer ways to communicate that to a patient because in in my case it's just like well, it's not going to hurt anything to explore this option other than, I mean, if you can afford it, it's not going to hurt anything to explore the option. Um, and obviously I'm biased because I think it worked for me, but <laughs> I just think they don't want to endorse anything that they're not sure of. I want it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, they could get sued. Well, yeah. Uh, doctors are always worried about what they say to patients, and for good reason. 
So, but it's like we, uh, Mandy told us when she, when, cause her Ari said the same thing. He didn't really think it was, you know, a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, she's told us, she said something like, yeah, well, IVF wasn't a thing <laughs> 30 years ago, yet here we are. True. You know, so it just, and there's a lot more testing for immune therapy happening all the time. I'm part of the data. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe in the next 10 years or hopefully sooner, it'll be part of the first workup that you do for when you see a fertility specialist. Anyway. So, yeah, thanks for writing, Courtney. Keep us posted on what's going on with Dr. Braverman and your blood clotting disorder. Hello. We That's need to something. Know. Yeah, we need more details. Okay, so we had a couple of we wanted to share a couple comments from listeners. Um the first one's from Amy. And these are both women that were diagnosed at some point with unexplained infertility. Mm-hmm. Unexplained infertility made me feel kind of crazy. Not that I wanted to be diagnosed with a disease, but at least something to validate that we weren't just doing something wrong. And there was a reason getting pregnant was so hard. We And then she, told, she goes on to uh, tell us about some of her testing and some of her treatment. And then she said, we did a fourth round of IVF uh, with implantation this time and ended up pregnant with twin girls. I actually delivered them at 30 weeks and five days this past Monday, and they are doing very well for being so premature. This infertility stuff is such a trip. And even after you're on the, quote, other side to say, it's still painful that anyone has to go through this. Amy, that is Awesome. Congratulations yeah. on the twins. And I would love to see a I'm picture. I'm glad they're doing well. Yes, that is amazing. Good for you, girl. That's awesome. Um, but she, yeah, unexplained infertility made her feel crazy. I can imagine that it would. Because you're like, something yeah. is wrong. It's just the not knowing. Yeah. I Like you all. Yeah. Think about how you felt before you saw a doctor or before you knew why you weren't getting pregnant. I was happy to get a diagnosis, which sounds I was crazy, too. but I don't think it sounds I'm like crazy. I'm glad to know why. And when you right. know why, you can tackle it. Exactly. But when you're unexplained, yeah. you're just like, oh, I don't know. And you're you're unexplained after you you feel like you've exhausted every I mean when after you've seen a fertility specialist it's like well now what like I said and you've gone through all these tests and spent all this money and you still like now that everything that you were feeling before you saw the doctor which wasn't great now it's 10 times worse probably yeah sucks and we've got another comment from Contessa which is what an interesting name wouldn't you agree Sarah Yes, that is. I love that name. Tell us where that name came from. Okay, Contessa writes, Not having a diagnosis is really frustrating. Not having a diagnosis made me frantically Google every possible symptom or disease I could possibly have and how to fix it. I'm already pretty neurotic about doing research before buying a goddamn lipstick, let alone what (laughs) fertility treatments, diet, old wives' tales, etc. to pursue. I started off seeing my OB who prescribed me metformin, which did help regulate my periods. And she told me that when I start taking it, quote, you'll definitely get pregnant, end quote. After three rounds of Clomid with her and now four IUIs with an RE, one with a chemical pregnancy, still no BFP. Big fat positive. We're probably moving on to IVF if this IUI isn't successful. I'm hoping doing IVF will help provide some answers because otherwise this all feels like we're shooting in the dark. That's a lot of IUIs. That's a lot of IUIs. It's true. It sounds like she's on her, well, either her fourth or fifth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious why her OB said that she would, quote, definitely get pregnant with 
using metformin. Usually they give that to people with PCOS. Yeah, which maybe, I mean, she didn't tell us. diabetes. Right. Yeah. Why would, that is a good point, Sarah. Why is she prescribing metformin if she doesn't have a diagnosed, like you know, insulin PCOS. resistance yeah, problem? Right. Exactly. I don't know. But OBs do some weird things. <laughs> Sarah, I feel like you hate on OBs as hard as I hate on the Ava bracelet. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not all OBs. And REs probably started out as OBs, didn't they? Well, they're an RE is an OB. It's just a m- more specialized. They just don't catch the babies. Well, they don't do anything really with pregnancy after, you know, the first True. few weeks. You know what? Whatever. I hope that the OBs are just good at catching babies. You know? Well, that's, yeah, that's what you want them to be good at. Yeah. If they're good <laughs> at that, then I'm all, f- <laughs> that's great. <laughs> But I don't think that they should be treating infertility. Right. But sometimes people probably go to them who get pregnant without being infertile. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your OB is usually your first stop, right? I mean. Yeah. You're trying to get pregnant. That's the first place you go. And if they offer you some treatment, then you're like, okay, I'll try it. And you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, the first. Really? Yeah, the first OB I saw, she was actually really good. Yeah. And I, if I lived in Kansas City, I'd probably be seeing her for her pregnancy. <laughs> but I don't, so I don't see her. <laughs> so that is to say I don't hate OBs. <laughs> I know. I was just teasing you. Because <laughs> we, I, we I do tend to... Yeah, well, in the infertility community in general, we tend to, like, rip a little bit on OBs because of, like you said, they don't, it's just not really their job to treat infertility. Especially if they're giving you Clomid for or metformin. months in on this end. case. Yeah. I want to know why she was prescribed metformin because that drug is not one to be messed around with. I took it. And I hated it. I hear it's really <laughs> rough. It was for me. I know some women do okay on it, but I didn't love it. But did you, did you need it though? Like, did you? Uh, well, from the my way you RI, reacted, my you immunologist prescribed it because she said I was like quote borderline PCOS and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in her case, she like does it as a preemptive strike for anyone going through IVF because she believes that it improves egg quality, uh, you know, going through an IVF cycle. And when I had such a hard time on it, she was like, okay, well, since you're doing frozen embryo transfers, we can hold off. But if you end up needing another fresh cycle of IVF, like to, then she wanted me to go back on it. Okay, I could, I can get behind that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But Contessa's Google game is like on fleek. (laughs) I don't think the kids are saying that anymore. (laughs) I don't know what they're saying now. I think they say things are Gucci. Oh, they're saying things are Gucci. That's Gucci. Uh, her I don't Google know. Game is Gucci. That's a lot of G's. Oh. I actually like that better. You do like it? I that I could be wrong. I don't know if that's actually what they're saying or not. Well, that's what we're saying, and it makes me feel gross. Trying. You don't like to... the word Gucci? No, no, no. I just feel is gross. It kind of like, like coochie. <laughs> no, just trying to be hip. Oh yeah, I'm not trying to be hip. <laughs> That ship has sailed. <laughs> like, I feel really embarrassed. Like, that, you know, that we, embarrassed we, feeling that you should feel if you're trying to be the cool parent or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, the dad comes down to the basement. He's hey like, guys, what's going on, guys, with his dad shorts? You know? Peter's <laughs> dad, my husband's dad, is that dad. My brother-in-law said something the other day that 
really nailed him down. He looks like a tourist in any room he's in. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what. Like, he could be in the living room, and he looks like he's just visiting. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) If you could imagine that. I can totally imagine that. But you know what? That's a sign of a good dad. Because, like, the dad that's on that's touring anywhere, he's always prepared. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know Peter is an Eagle Scout? (laughs) No, I didn't know that. And his dad was his, like, scoutmaster the whole time. (laughs) Why does that not surprise me now that I know that? Doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Does he wear cargo shorts? (laughs) Yes. So does Peter. Well, there you go. (sighs) Always prepared. Yep. Anyway, yeah, so her what's Google, Google game, game is Gucci. No, I just, what I mean by that is I feel like we all do this at some point in our infertility experience because, like, we're all guilty of the Googling something, you know, ad nauseum. Like, oh my gosh, I had a, I don't know, there's a weird mole on the left side of my butt cheek. <laughs> Does this cause infertility? Google. Tell me. I'll, and, and you know, I just feel like we all do that. And I so, feel like we do that with everything. Yes. But I mean, yeah. especially infertility stuff, but everything. Yeah. I can just relate to that, like, not having an answer and then Googling everything you possibly can. <laughs> and now she knows that she is dying according to WebMD. <laughs> You know, it's true. I feel like anytime you go down a Google rabbit hole, you eventually, it always ends at the same dead end that you're dying of some kind of rare cancer. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is why we say don't Google, but it's okay because we know you're going to do it anyway. I think Googling's okay. I mean, I feel like Googling is, a, it's like a tick like you you need to be doing something like in my recent google searches i have pgd testing mhm mhm <laughs> uh so many different things but <laughs> many of them infertility related many of them not male infertility low fsh uh-huh and baby center things yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. Like, you hear that, and even I've said it myself, like, don't Google. And it's true, like, because the internet is so vast, you will get every kind of opinion on every topic. But, yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't know, there, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, there, it's completely non-beneficial to Google. <laughs> Right. So, and if she does end up doing IVF, which she says if her next IUI isn't successful, that's where she's headed. And I feel like that she's right. Sometimes it does provide answers to unexplained infertility, especially as it relates to egg quality, sperm Mm -hmm. quality, or how those two relate to each other to form an embryo. Yeah, sometimes you have to do IVF to find out that your egg quality is not so great yes or your sperm are not so great yeah but usually it's them saying egg quality (laughs) (laughs) like are we sure this isn't the sperm they're like no 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 it's not the sperm (laughs) i know a couple that is it's the opposite like they're convinced it's the sperm dna fragmentation so it but you wouldn't know that until you're like deep into the bowels of infertility and you've gone through IVF and even IVF failure that they start like I feel like even the ERA test the endometrial receptive assay or analysis is like one of those that what why are you laughing because <laughs> assay <laughs> Did you think I was talking dirty to you? <laughs> Maybe. I was like, I don't know if that's what the A stands for. It's, okay, it's A-S-S-A-Y. 
and it's it's like another it's like a medical term for a test oh i think mandy confirm this for us (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if everyone knows what that test is though yeah, I think we talked about it in our in our testing testing one two three episode. Did we? Yeah, maybe yeah, we, we did. did touch on it a little bit. But it it um it's t- it's taking a biopsy of the tissue in your endometrial lining when they would have normally done an embryo transfer to make sure it's like a hospitable environment is a shortened way of saying that. that or if the timing's right, or if yeah, they if need the to go right. before or after. Exactly. Exactly. But they don't usually do that until you're like until you've had IVF failure in a lot of unless there's another reason failed transfer. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's right. Sometimes you do get answers after doing IVF, which is like a catch 22. It's like, well, you have an answer, but you've had you've had a failed IVF, which is not fun either. It'd be better if it just worked. It would be better if it just worked. Come on. <laughs> this It's just unexplained infertility is so emotionally draining. It's just, I just feel for, I just feel for all you unexplained people. Yeah. It sucks. Okay, do you want to read does. Celeste's comment? Yeah, is this the Celeste? This is the Celeste. <laughs> you guys know Celeste, I'm sure. She's going to join us on the podcast later this month. We're going to interview her. Yes. So she said, a diagnosis of unexplained infertility leaves you feeling completely and utterly hopeless. Like you've reached a dead end and have no idea where to go or what to do. My advice to anyone who is ever given this diagnosis is to seek a second, third, fourth opinion if necessary. There is no such thing as unexplained infertility. There is always an explanation. It's just a matter of finding a doctor willing and knowledgeable enough to take time to explore in depth the complexity. Complex. I can say it like I hear it in my head. (laughs) Complexities. Complexities of uh, what could be going on. Unexplained infertility is the easy diagnosis. For some doctors to give when their knowledge doesn't extend as far as it needs to needs to always listen to your gut instinct and remember to be your own advocate the end we can just end the, the end. podcast there just <laughs> true she there has to be yeah she oh, had... those were our tips <laughs> <laughs> well she hit the head on it. the nail is that yeah. hit the you nail s- on the head? S- <laughs> yes. Said that backwards. She hit the head on the nail. <laughs> the hammer head on the nail. <laughs> no, that everything she said is like spot on. I, yeah. It, from how she felt to what to do next to, yeah, explaining that it's not sometimes it gets thrown out there when they like you said they just don't know or they're not willing to keep going with it find out Mm -hmm. i mean some doctors like they all doctors are limited in their knowledge like we don't know everything unfortunately so hey speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) sarah knows everything i know all (laughs) No, but you're right. She, uh, so the next thing we were going to do is give a few tips. And she hit on a lot of those already. Get a second opinion and advocate for yourself. It never hurts to get a second opinion, especially if you're just going crazy, like really wanting to know. Um, and you know yourself the best. So if you think, I mean, like Courtney was saying, she thinks there's something going on with her immune system. Like she knows herself best. And so she's taking matters into her own hands and seeing another doctor, despite what her RE has told her. You got to do that for yourself too, because you know your body the best. And I mean, it never hurts to get a second, third or fourth opinion. Like Celeste said, (laughs) it's a lot of opinions. It's a lot of opinions. 
Yeah. So what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I, I mean, I, I feel like I've shared a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, mm. yeah, I, 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 I feel for anyone that has this diagnosis because like, it just makes me uncomfortable even talking about it. Cause I, I just get this uncomfortable feeling like trying to put myself in their shoes of the not knowing would just drive me crazy. And yeah. actually I wanted to share, um, this, this is from an interview with a psychologist on another podcast about infertility, which, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say what it is cause I don't want people to think I'm like bashing them because I think there's a lot of good content but this I actually 100% disagreed with and she's a clinical psychologist that deals with patients that suffer from infertility so Hmm. and she was being interviewed on the topic of unexplained infertility and the first thing out of her mouth was like well, if you have a diagnosis of unexplained infertility, this is actually great news. Why? Because you, there's nothing, there's quote, nothing wrong. So that's great news because you can just go home and keep trying. That's like, not great news. I know. I I know. That's why I was like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> Don't go to this doctor. Yeah, it's an article on the Huffington Post. It's the same yeah, I don't, we're not gonna say who it is. Um, it was she in, has. Oh, never mind. It was in. I found it in two places. Um, and I just felt like that was terrible. <laughs> and she's someone who went through it herself. Like she went through infertility, and I just. I did felt she like, though? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about her, but I just I felt like the, I would have the opposite reaction that that would be the worst news that a doctor could tell me that I don't have anything for you and I mean I think she was trying to be encouraging because there like you said there are in some cases people with unexplained infertility they do go on to have a spontaneous pregnancy but uh, that's not the case for a lot of people and I just uh, I just don't think that that would that that would be helpful to hear (laughs) (laughs) you know I just after going as I've said after going through all of that that is not what you want to hear out of your doctor's mouth this is great news there's nothing wrong with you so go home and try just Just keep trying just relax it'll happen (laughs) maybe try putting your legs up over your head after you do it try a pillow (laughs) so I didn't like that advice. I say the opposite is true, that it's terrible information to hear. And I feel for everyone with that diagnosis. And if you were ever diagnosed with unexplained infertility and then went on to find out why or went on to have a successful pregnancy, we want to hear from you. Will you send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com? You could have seen this doctor. If you really want it to. I know. I know where she is. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at their website right now. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> she has like a super cheesy picture. Anyway, I shouldn't. <laughs> I just, I don't know anything else about her. I only know that from, I'm just gathering from that one interview and I'm just saying I disagree that getting that diagnosis would, is not good news. Right. Maybe she's talking at the beginning. I think probably she is. I would, I mean, but what does that mean? I, I still, do you mean after like that initial workup, like with an RE before they really uh, like, I don't know. I don't know what she, and we're not going to speculate. I, just, I don't think it's good. Inform- I don't think it's good to say at any point, this is good news. We can't find anything wrong with you. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. Yeah. You just need to relax. Just keep Are trying. Are you sure you're doing it right? <laughs> all the things. Maybe you should go on vacation and get drunk. <laughs> Maybe you should try our jello shot method. <laughs> Maybe 
it's just not in God's will. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> Don't bring God into my uterus situation. Maybe it's... If you're uh, my doctor. Maybe you don't really want it. Maybe you should enough. just adopt. Yeah. Have you thought about adoption? Yeah. All the things that you don't want anyone to say. And this is now your doctor that yeah. shoved all these things up your vagingo and made you pay for it. Lots of money. And now he's telling you to just go home and relax. Put your legs up over your head. No thanks. <sighs> yep. So that's unexplained infertility. <laughs> Whole lot of nothing and you don't feel <laughs> like you did anything after but you did. going through all the tests. And I really I see I feel like this whole episode is kind of a downer because the topic is like I think it's yeah. Like I've said. I feel like I'm left with an empty feeling. Yes. And like we didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> Are you talking about this podcast episode? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what we're accomplishing by talking about it is validating people's feelings that are diagnosed with unexplained infertility. But like to... we didn't give them any information that can help. Well, because there's not. Other than what we said about seeking another opinion and advocating for yourself. There you go. Those are the two, like, most important pieces of advice I would give people in that situation. So, it, yeah. So, do that. Yeah. Get a second opinion if you want to and advocate for yourself. Do your own research. Like, I feel like infertile people do better research than the FBI. (laughs) <laughs> are you still watching criminal minds yes me too <laughs> <laughs> true crime junkies although that's not true crime but I, anyway it's just <laughs> so hard to watch with people around <laughs> so what you watching uh, this girl just got raped <laughs> yeah i thought about streaming it at the gym the other day i was like i don't know if this is the best idea bloody yeah. corpses all over it that people walk by like what is that girl into <laughs> and up next is out of the box out of the box out, out of the, the box, box. Yeah. yeah so this week i i was wondering if you have any tattoos because we hadn't talked about this before <laughs> i do not do you? No, I don't. <laughs> Most people well, do, though. That was a good segment. <laughs> and that's all out of the box. <laughs> no, I don't have any tattoos. I, I have nothing against tattoos, but I'm way too chicken shit to get a tattoo. I don't have anything I'd want on me permanently. Yeah, I think that's what's it for me, too. I don't. I've just never been... I've never had the urge to put something, to make something that permanent. Same. But I, I understand like why some people might, I'm not actually afraid of the tattoo. I'm afraid of its permanency. I have stress dreams about getting tattoos. You do? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, uh, one of them was, I got a tattoo of a unicorn across my (laughs) whole back. And the horn came up over my shoulder, so all you saw was the very edge of it. But it was my whole back, so there's no way you're ever getting that removed. My whole back. <sighs> I also have stress dreams about being in high school again. Well, those are those two things are very different. <laughs> and missing I class. I don't know how to feel about that because I had a childhood obsession with unicorns (laughs) and and I also love you Sarah so the idea of a unicorn strewn across your back I don't know I'm I'm, I'm liking it a little bit but with the horn just coming up over my shoulder so all you saw is this like weird (laughs) horn tip (laughs) I want to know if anyone 
in the mafia has a kick-ass tattoo. I want you to send us a picture or you can post it in the Facebook group. Yeah. see your tattoos. (laughs) In school, the uh, career aptitude test, it said I should be a tattoo artist. I was like, that's that's what you think my career should be? (laughs) And I took this in college. And it it came back that specific. Yeah, it's a tattoo artist or video journalist. Well, the second one isn't that far off. No, but I think I'd be a good tattoo artist. I think you would, too. I mean, there's no surprise that both of them were like, you know, in the in the artistic field. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that could <laughs> be my thing? You might have missed your calling. Yeah, that could be my thing, like not having any tattoos, but being a good tattoo artist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my best friend has tattoos and she more than once getting a tattoo has passed out in peter pants <laughs> during the tattoo yes was she drunk no it was just such an intense experience that she passed out in peter pants <laughs> did she have like a seizure or something no she just passed out in peter pants maybe tattoos really aren't for her (laughs) they suit her well did they end up finishing those tattoos yeah once she got up (laughs) slap slap her face around give her a little water okay (laughs) let's let's keep were you there no no but um I make fun of her for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Because how can you not? I mean, come on. True. That's true. Did you, if you don't have any tattoos, do you have any odd piercings? (laughs) No. (laughs) I had the cartilage of my ear pierced once, but it never healed. So I took it out after like two months. Mm. Did you like it while you had it? No, I looked pretty white trash with it. (laughs) (laughs) you know some people where you're like yeah you look guys sarah is cracking me up tonight not good (laughs) i have one of those faces where i cannot get any like tattoos or piercings or it would look really like white trash on me (laughs) like if i had my nose pierced yeah I don't. I think you would look cute with a nose piercing. Maybe a little a tiny stud ring. Not a ring. A stud. A tiny stud. I feel like the rings are more cool. I mean, if you're into that, go for it. I just. I don't think I'd look good with a facial piercing either. I had a. I had the classic belly button ring. Did you? When you were pregnant, did it stretch out? Uh, I got rid of it way before that. <laughs> way before that. Well, yeah, but I've seen people, like, when you have belly button piercings. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, it was 100% an act of, uh, you know, what's the word? Like Rebellion? Yes, rebellion against my parents. I got it like right after I turned 18 in a pack with like a bunch of other girls. Like, let's go get a belly piercing. Stupid. And then I had to hide it from (laughs) them for like months. And then when they eventually found out, my mom, like all she could do was shake her head. She was very disappointed. And then she cried. (laughs) I'm sure she cried, cried herself to sleep at night. (laughs) How can she do that? She's such a slut now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, okay, I I liked having a belly ring, but let's be honest. Why do you get a belly ring? You want to show it off. You want people to look at it. That's you why I never got one. Notice it. Yeah, but th- these were back in the days when I was like, you know, skinny and d- and wanted to show off my midsection. That's back Those... when tramp stamps were real popular. Exactly. The belly button ring is the cousin to the tramp stamp. Absolutely. And then there was just a certain point in time when I was like, 
I am too old for this shit. I got to take this out. This is ridiculous. And it, I think I took it out. I was way too old at the time. I was just like, yeah, this is embarrassing. Did it heal? It's never closed up to this day. You could still wear a belly ring. <laughs> That's exciting. Is it? Yeah, you could get like a Playboy bunny one. Oh God! <laughs> you should have you seen some of the ones in these in the in the, you know you you the belly ring, the piercing shop is usually next to the tattoo parlor or they're in the same place. Yeah, usually they're and, yeah together. And some of these rings are just wow. <laughs> they're really thick. Yeah, the gauge That's, is mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. or is it small? It I I have no idea. The the know. higher the number of the gauge, the smaller it is. Yeah, it's like it's like the needles that we all use with IVF. The higher the gauge, the smaller the needle. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. You could pierce something with your IVF needles. There you go. Another and use. We've come back full circle. <laughs> oh, my my cartilage piercing. I got it done at Claire's by the way. <laughs> that made me think of it. You're not supposed to get those done with the gun. Oh, sure. So maybe that was part of the problem. You're supposed so, to get them done with a hollow needle. You know what, Sarah? Now that I think about it, I also got my ears pierced at Claire's back in the day when I was like 11 or 12. And whoever did it didn't do them even. Like one, my one lobe is like, the piercing hangs lower than on my right side. Oh, no. I mean, this woman deformed me. Let's be honest. Maybe your ears are uneven. Well, they are uneven, <laughs> but... <laughs> but they're supposed going... to gauge that. When yeah, they... exactly. I'm going with that she deformed me, and the moral of the story is don't get your ears pierced at Claire's. By a 16-year-old. Exactly. Working at the mall in the summer. And scene. and that was out of the box follow us on instagram everybody at infertile mafia podcast join our closed facebook group called the infertile mafia and feel free to send us an email to infertile mafia at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to hear a lot of talk about eggs and balls and stuff and don't forget to enter the giveaway tag us on instagram and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And sorry, I was such a downer this episode. But wah, wah. in the next episode, <laughs> we're going to talk about triggers. More downers. <sighs> this is a trigger warning <laughs> that we're talking about triggers. Things that set you off when you're struggling and how to deal with it. I was thinking triggers, like trigger shots. Oh. But I guess we're talking about <laughs> like emotional triggers. Yeah. We could talk about both. No, we can talk about emotional triggers. I'm fine with that. We're talking about triggers. You'll have to tune in to find out what kind of trigger we're talking about. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye.